Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to turn to the Bible. If you're new to our church, we're going to read 12 verses out of Acts chapter 18 and 19. Acts 18 and 19. After I read those verses, we're going to pray. Uh, and then I'm going to tell a couple stories. Uh, if you don't laugh, they're, they're jokes if you do laugh. Stories if you don't. And then I'm going to actually try to tie what we read out of the Bible. And we're going to bring it back to applying it to our lives. And then we're going to invite God to encounter us at the end. Is that fair? And I want to just let you know we are a responsive church. Uh, I know some people are, it's, it's new for some people. They're like, why are people talking in here? It's supposed to be solemn. And uh, I just want you to know, no one, no one died. Um, and the only person that we all know that died came back to life. Can I get an amen? And so we are, we are a little fired up. Um, and I just want to, we're not trying to be obnoxious. I want to just qualify. There, there's a difference between being obnoxious and being engaged. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord think, meditate. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And uh, I always use this illustration, but you go to a sporting event. Why do they call it home field? Why is it an advantage to play at home? It's because a crowd full of people are rooting for you when you're home. And I think church, and again, if, you, if, you're, if you're new to our church and people go, man, amen, or that's good, or I like that. It's just their way of saying, I'm agreeing with what's being taught. And I call it verbalizing your faith. Does that make sense? It's like saying, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna reach out, I grab that promise, I grab that idea, I'm applying that to my life. Come on, say amen. So that's the, I wanna just kind of give the why behind, okay, these people are a little bit crazy. We're not that crazy. Come on, just a little bit. Muy poquito. Hey, learn something, not really. Uh, so we've got your Bible, Acts chapter 18. We're gonna turn. That was a story, man. Going in Uber by yourself using Google Translator. And a lot of body language. <laughs> All right, that's enough for another, another time. Uh, Acts chapter 18, I want to talk to you guys today in this series, The Gift. I want to talk to you about the gift of power. The gift of power. Tap your neighbor says, get power. Power, get power. Uh, the gift of power. It says this in uh, Acts chapter 18. I'm going to read about a guy named Apollos. It says, now a certain Jew named Apollos, verse 24, Born in Alexandria in Egypt, an eloquent man and mighty, an eloquent man, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. So he was eloquent and he was mighty in the scriptures. He came to Ephesus and uh, this man had been instructing in the way of the Lord and being fervent, passionate in his spirit. Probably went to Ocean's Church. Hey. He spoke and taught accurately the things. I love this. He was accurately teaching the things of the Lord. But it's interesting that that Luke thinks it's worth noting here. Though he did not, he only knew the baptism of John, he did not know anything else. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogues. And when Aquila and Priscilla, who were friends of Paul, fellow tent builders, they saw him, they took him aside, and they explained to him the way of God more in depth. Some translations read more accurately told him the rest of the story. And then it says in chapter 19, verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, he found some of the disciples. Who did he find? These are not atheists. These are not skeptics, cynics. They are. He found disciples, and notice the conversation he had to them. He goes, uh, 
Did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So my, my thought is, again, it's funny to put yourself in the Bible, that something was lacking, that he actually was interested. Hey, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Because you're looking a little bit like the cover girl for the book of Lamentations. So he goes on. So they said to him, we have not heard. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Who's been to that church? We'll keep going. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? He said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said to them, John did indeed baptize a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were immediately baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Now the men who were there were about 12 in all. And then it goes on, it says that he spoke boldly for three months and he continued for two years in that region of Asia, verse 10. And all in Asia heard the word of the Lord and Jesus both the Jews and the Greeks. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to you about, about the gift of power. God, I just thank you that today, uh, that you'd meet us where we are. I pray if we're new to church, that we would feel loved, welcomed, and uh, just really uh, feel a peace today in this atmosphere. I pray if we come every week that you would feed our soul, you would feed our spirit. I pray that you would lead us, guide us, and nurture us today. Let us have an awesome time together. And Lord, I just pray you continue to bless the Los Angeles Lakers. In Jesus' name. Come on, someone said amen. A little more faith this morning. Hey, uh, how many know that moms don't ever stop momming? It's a true story, right? I've learned this. I'm 35. I look like I'm 34. It's Botox. And uh, I'm 35, and my mom still thinks I'm 13. And I got to stay at my mom's house, and I'm so grateful. I'm a mama's boy. I love my mom so much. And uh, she's always, it's funny, moms are just in, in, intuitively concerned about their kids all the time. I'm convinced that she's always thinking about one of her kids. I'm, uh, on the other hand, not usually thinking about any of my kids. And I have to focus on, okay, my kids, okay, they're, they're outside, okay. Uh, and so I, I got to be intentional. But women have this innate ability to always be aware, concerned, and careful, uh, and, and, and full of care for their children. Uh, in the light of the earthquakes this week, my mom's been texting a little bit more than usual. Thoroughly concerned. I went to uh, officiate the first wedding of a member of Ocean's Church yesterday in Big Bear, California. And my sister came with me, and as we're driving up there, my mom's texting us saying, you know, there's a fault line up there. Thanks, mom. And then she went on to encourage us. She goes, uh, son, you guys need to get some canned food. You guys need to get some bottled water. And you get some candles. I said, mom, we're fine. We have some Mormon neighbors. We're fine. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. It's an Idaho joke. Uh, uh, but it was interesting. I, I, my mom was like, she's, she's like, you know, you got to be prepared. And it's funny that moms, they never get to the point that they stop caring for their kids. They're always interested, always concerned. Man, are they going to be okay? Are they, are they provided for? And they want to make sure that their kids are always protected. And uh, it got me kind of thinking about Ephesians, really the heart of God, that Paul comes into this town and he just sees that, man, the, the children of God are, are missing something. And the first point I want to bring out to you today as we, as we open up this, this passage on power is that I want to just notate here in Acts chapter 19, verse 2, it says, Paul asked the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were converted? 
Now, I want to just say this. If there was no such thing as a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit when you believe in Jesus Christ, this question makes zero sense. Are you following me today? But what we can read between the lines is, is Paul was seeing there was a lack of exuberant faith. There was a lack of joy, lack of peace, lack of character. And really, we could say this way, that they weren't li- their nature wasn't lining up with their name. Christian was first uh, notated in Antioch is that people started calling believers Christians, people of the way, because of the lifestyle reflecting the lifestyle of Jesus so much. So Christian literally translates little or mini Jesus. That's what Christian means. So when someone calls you a Christian, they say, man, there's something about you that reminds me of... Are you tracking? But Paul gets to Ephesus, he's like, uh, we got a deficiency problem. He's like, uh, their name isn't lining up with their nature. You ever met someone that had a name that didn't line up with their nature? Who's ever met a stingy Sharon? This crowd's slow. I was in elementary school. I got jumped by an angel. That was his name. True story, fifth grade. He had a buddy that helped him out. His name was Jesus. Jesus, an angel, jumped me in fifth grade. I'm like, my gosh, what's going on? You ever met someone that their name does not line up with their nature? Come on, help me out. It's so true. This happens sometimes. And Paul's like, look, you're a Christian, man. You got to like reflect Jesus a little bit. And I think there's a lot of people that are going to heaven, but they're living like south, come on, the southern hemisphere, because they're not filled with the power that God offers through the Holy Spirit. I want you to write this down, is that God wants your name to reflect your nature, and your nature to reflect your name, follower of Jesus. Fundamentally believe this. And I actually, this is my persuasion this morning, here's my thesis, my big idea, that we can't be God's light without God's power. Say it again. You can't shine with God's light unless you are filled with God's power. And I believe there's a thing that psychologists call a superego, which is superego is the idea that we all have a fantasy about how we should be, what we wish we were. It's really the, it's the ideal version of who you wish you could be. It's how nice you would be, how generous you would be, how smart you would be, intellectual, how disciplined, how self-controlled, how healthy, how fit. How many know that we all have an idea of where we should be? They say that mental health, most psychologists agree, that mental health is usually a byproduct of a frustration between where you are and your superego, of where you wish you were, where you want to be, and because you're not there, you're discouraged about where you are here. And I want to just be very focal, uh, forthright with you that I am other, of the persuasion that it is very difficult to live like Jesus without his spirit. It is very hard to be godly without God. And I find that everyone wants to, I want to be godly. I just don't want to spend any time with him. I want to be like Jesus. I just don't want to spend time getting to know him, reading his book. And I'm not trying to throw, someone's like, shots fired. No, I'm not trying to to be angry or me, I just, I just think that this is the, what I feel like in myself. In Romans 7, Paul writes and he goes, it's, I, have this, I have this dichotomy, this, this, this quagmire going on that I don't want to do this, but the things I don't want to do, I keep doing. And the things I hate, I practice. And the things I want to do, I don't do. And the places I want to be, I don't, I don't go to. And the places I want to stay away from, I keep frequenting. So I find that there's a law at work that there's something carnal and fleshly and Adamic inside of me that's not like Jesus. 
And he talks about the flesh. Someone say with me, the flesh. And I want us uh, all to be aware that all, all of us have one thing in common, that you were all born under a flesh nature. Flesh nature. Some, I have, I have atheist friends that are like, well, we're pretty much good, but sometimes we do what's bad. I would disagree. I think we're born bad and we occasionally do good. I think that you don't have to teach us how to be good. You have to teach us how to be our opposite of that. <laughs> Caught myself. I think many people don't realize, but like every little kid, why is it I don't have to teach any of my kids to cry? I don't teach any of my kids to complain. And I certainly, the first three words my kid said was dad, mom. Dad was first because of the order of love. (laughs) Priority of our children. Dada, it was mama. And then the third word was mine. Mine. It sounded like seagulls. Come on. Mine, 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 mine. I'm like, come on. Give it to her. Kenzie's like, but it's mine. I'm like, I don't care. She has all of our stuff. Just give it to her. Make it stop. You do not have to teach people to be selfish. We're all intrinsically selfish. We all have this nature that just cares about me. And it's interesting that the more you care about yourself, the more discouraged you become. And the more you try to make yourself happy, it's like, why is it pursuing to make myself happy? I feel emptier and emptier. I can't buy enough clothes. I can't get enough followers. I can't travel to enough places. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. For some reason, God says, look, there is a flesh, carnal, dark nature that is inherent inside of all human beings. And here's the deal. Not only is there a flesh nature, there's actually a spiritual realm. And it says in Ephesians that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in heavenly realms, dark forces. And there's two extremes in the church world that under every rock is a devil. In every natural disaster, it's the devil. And every flu, that's the devil. And every headache, oh, it must be a devil. And then there's the other extreme that just disregards that there is a supernatural realm. That we're just logical, and this is just all a material realm. It's what you see is what you get. What you feel is what it is. And we live according to our feelings alone. There is no spiritual realm. And I would like to just suggest to you that this is not true that the devil is in everything. And this is not true that there is no spiritual fight going on. Jack Haver said it this way, you cannot disciple a demon and you cannot cast out the flesh. You should think about that. That we all have a flesh nature. Like, like, left to myself, I don't read my Bible, I get weird. I get selfish, stingy, self-centered. I get a little bit off my thoughts. But it's interesting that I can discipline my flesh through the word of God and through prayer. And I have to dis- let God disciple me. Disciple comes from the word discipline. It, goes, it says, go and make disciples of all nations. So the goal of Christianity is actually let God discipline you. So you're not living by every feeling, every wind of emotion. I feel like getting high. I feel like going here. I feel like doing this. I don't live by my feelings. How do you know if you're living by your feelings? How do you know if you're spiritually blind? You know you're spiritually blind? Because blindness, when you close your eyes and you're blind, when I'm blind, I can't see anything. You know what I have to do is I have to live solely. I think, I think, I think, oh, oh yeah, I feel this. Spiritual blind people, how do you know if you're blind spiritually? Is when you live solely by what you feel. It says that we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. So 
uh, I, I was interested when I saw that Paul goes, hey, have you guys received the Holy Spirit yet? And this is what God showed me this week. Is he said, Mark, notice Apollos. He was three things about Apollos. He was eloquent. He was eloquent, man. He was passionate. He was mighty in scriptures. And he taught people the way. But it was interesting that what, what Priscilla and Aquila knew right away is this guy does not know about the Holy Spirit. And I thought, this is Orange County. There's eloquent churches. There are churches that are very, very powerful in scriptures. There are churches, man, that teach the way of Jesus. But it's like, have you guys heard of the Holy Spirit? And they're like, oh, we didn't know that was real. We didn't know that was for today. That was for like, that was for the early apostles. Here's the problem with a theology that adopts that miracles and power and the Holy Spirit was for yesterday. Is it requires zero faith for the present. And what I've learned about God is, is that he loves it the most when we live a life of faith. Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he, and that he is a rewarder. Say it with me. He is a, well, God doesn't want to give me anything. God says, I am a, of those who diligently seek me. So my problem is, it's like, well, Mark, there's no Holy Spirit, there's no gifts, there's no fruit, there's no power. Miracles were for the early apostles. Then here's my problem. Number one is there's been millions of miracles that have happened since the apostles were on the earth. So what the heck is going on? Number two, it's like, what in the world? Like, like if, if all I need to have faith for is to get to heaven, I feel like you're not really exercising your faith muscle. I'm going to go to heaven one day, but I'm going to be beat up till I get to heaven going to hide in a cave until I get to heaven. I actually believe the early apostles, they had power. Can I get a good amen? God wants our name to bind with our nature. So the first job, the Holy Spirit comes on the scene. And again, this, this is the church we're going to build. Is we're going to be a church that is, hear me really clearly, that we're going to be eloquent, that you're going to be able to invite your friends to it, and they're not going to be freaked out like this church is charismania. This is just wild. This is Pentecostal. Come on. <laughs> Hurting people, chopping people. We are not going to be like that. We will be an eloquent church, that our music will be excellent. Can I get a good amen? That our messages will be helpful and theologically sound. And that we're going to be a church, number two, that's mighty in Scripture. Some, and again, I love the Holy Spirit, but some people that go too far when it pertains to the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is they start creating a theology to line up with their experiences. That will not be this church. We're not going to make up theology and say, well, this happened to me, so this must be God. Is we're going to make sure that our experiences line up with scriptures. The best thing to interpret the Bible with is the Bible. Are you hearing me? Like, we're not dancing with snakes because the Bible says, well, you pick up serpents, and they'll certainly, if you get bit, they won't hurt you. Well, show me where that's at in the New Testament. Well, it says in Acts chapter 28, I believe, that Paul reached into a fire pit and a snake bit his hand, and he shook the, the snake off back into the fire, and he actually went on living. So you could say this way, that to interpret what Jesus said, that you'll take up snakes and they won't hurt you, it could be that when you're doing the work of God and something demonic bites you, that it won't kill you. What do you mean, Mark? It means that we don't, we don't make theology to line up with our experiences. We make sure that we're hungry for God to have the experiences of our theology. So here's, here's, the, first, here's the first foundational stone I want to lay for our community. It's number one, we believe in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, number one, he gives you the power to become what God wants you to become. I don't know if you've ever been frustrated because you're not what you want to be. 
I'm not the dad I want. I'm not the husband. I'm not the wife. I'm not the, the boss, the employee, the son, the brother. I'm not, I'm not this Christian. I'm not as godly. That guy cut me off, gave me a one-finger wave, and I feel like chasing him down. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but you don't feel like your actions are lining up with the attitude of Jesus. And I want to let you know that it's very difficult to live like Jesus without the same spirit that he had. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit, who is a person, wants to give all of you is the power to become what God wants you to become. I do believe that most people die way under the level of their full potential. I actually believe that the wealthiest place on the earth is not Fort Knox. It's not a Swiss bank account. And it's not even in all of the savings and checking accounts throughout the world. It's not NASDAQ. It's not, it's not uh, Wall Street. I believe the wealthiest place on the earth is actually all the cemeteries, if you could mind them. Because there's so much gold that's buried in the dirt of lives that didn't become all that God wanted them to become. Our generation is so amused that literally our dream, our God-given dreams are rotting in the soil of our amusement. We're Netflixing ourselves to death. We're entertaining ourselves to death. And we're so distracted being just nullified that we're not becoming all that God wants us to become. Because I'm telling you, to become what he wants you to become, you got to spend time. Time with God. It's all right. You don't have to clap on that one. I actually believe, though, that God wants to give you the Holy Spirit today because the Holy Spirit gives you the power to make us who God wants us to become. I, I do believe that we don't ever arrive. I actually do believe. I, I believe that we are being perfected daily, that we are going from glory to glory. But I don't believe you ever wake up and go, I read the Bible 64 times. I don't need to read it anymore. I prayed 475 days straight. I don't need to pray anymore. I don't think you ever wake up and you arrive. I don't think that perfection is a destination. I think it's a direction. I don't think you wake up and be like, I'm here. I've arrived. Everybody, come on. Come grab a seat. Look at me. I don't think that happens. I think that it's, it's much, people oftentimes think that life is like getting on a train and getting off at your destination. Hop on, stay on, get off in 400 miles. I think it's way less like a train and way more like sailing that you wake up every day of your life and you have to gauge the currents underneath you, the air quality, the temperature, and set your sails with the Spirit of God being led by Him to get to where He wants you to go today. And many people, they just don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't become what I want to become. And I'll just be honest with you. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. I have tried. I've tried to do better, be better, think better, live better, talk better. But for some reason, I have this propensity to go back to who I've always been. But when I invite the Holy Spirit in my life, he starts molding me and shaping me and forming me. That's what happened to these believers. They go, hey, you guys, you guys didn't receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, huh? Like, no, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. All right, come on in. Bring it in, guys. I can't tell you how many people I've met in my life that were Christians for years, decades, but never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And then they, they came to a service like the one you're sitting in, or they came to a summer camp, and they had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. You know what they always say? I've never had more love for the Bible. I've never had more passion to worship God. I've never cared so much about people. And I've never been more convinced of eternity than when I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, I don't know about the Holy Spirit, man. I'm just kind of cool with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. I don't need the Holy Spirit. But I want to let you know that you do. Because I know what you want. I do. I know that you don't want to get divorced. I know that you want to be faithful to your husband or your wife. I know that you want to be temperate and self-controlled with your children. 
I know that you want to give an example to your kids that they can follow in. So you don't have to say, do as I say, not as I do. I know what you want. You want to live a life that matters. And I'm trying to give you the solution to your questions is that how do you live a life of meaning? You have to ask God, Holy Spirit, give me the power to be what you want me to be. Come on, give me a hand clap this morning if you believe that. <laughs> Number two, bank, come up here, I'm almost finished. Is I believe that the Holy Spirit not only wants to give you the ability to become what you're supposed to become, the husband, boss, wife, son, but number two, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come into your life because what he does is he gives us the power, he gives us power to transform us into the image of Jesus. You could say it like this, the Holy Spirit gives you Jesus' taste palate. The Holy Spirit gives you the appetite of Jesus. How do you know when you're maturing in your faith? You know you're maturing when you no longer crave what you used to crave and you start craving what God craves. People always ask, well, what's your position politically with this? What's your position with this controversial topic? Not, my response is usually the same. I'm interested in what Jesus is interested in. So if he believes in helping poor people, I'm interested in helping poor people. If he's into loving screwed up people, I'm into loving screwed up people. If he's kind to those that are mean to me, I'm kind. What's your, what's your role? I'm into what Jesus is into. You can say this way. If we're at a restaurant, I'm ordering what he's having. My, my sister and I stopped at this good restaurant. I, I'm a little bit of a foodie. That's what, these actually aren't skinny jeans. <laughs> I'm actually preparing for a roll. That's why I'm gaining weight. I'm gaining weight because I'm preparing for a roll. It's a cinnamon roll. Um, dad jokes. We stopped at this good restaurant the other day. and uh, this is, I love doing this. When you go to a good restaurant, the best thing you can do, you write, write this down in your notes. This is worth writing down. So theological. I did a loop. I did a victory loop in the restaurant and just scanned every plate. I was the weird guy. Just look at everyone's like, I'm for real. But I had one chance. I'm not going to go. I'm not going back to Riverside the next 20 years. So I need to make sure I order the greatest thing on the menu. So I literally walked around the restaurant. Just one little loop. Wasn't too weird. It's pretty incognito about it. But I came back and I sat down and my sister, where'd you go? I go to the bathroom, but I checked everyone's plates out. She's like, you're a weirdo. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm smart. <laughs> and literally, this true story, I ordered this. It's awesome food. It's delicious. And uh, I just, I, I want you to know what the Holy Spirit loves to do is he actually comes inside of you when you invite him in and he'll start to alter your appetites. This church, you'll never hear can'ts. You can't smoke this, can't sniff that, can't inject this, can't go with them, can't date this, can't go there, can't sexually do this. I want you to know we are not a can't preaching church. We are not an anti-doing. We are a pro-Holy Spirit. We are a pro-presence of God. What I've learned is if I'll keep my hands off of people long enough, the Holy Spirit will change them. I don't change people, the Holy Spirit does. You write that down. You're not responsible for changing your kids, the Holy Spirit is. You're not responsible for changing your wife. The Holy Spirit is. You're not responsible for changing your boss. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit is. My job is to love people. And here's the deal. If I'll let God get his hands on me, God will also take care of the other people in my life. God, would you please begin to alter, tailor my appetites? I, I, I became a Christian when I was 18, but I didn't have an encounter with the Holy Spirit for 12 months later. And I got to tell you, it was, it was a dramatic change in my life that I believed in Jesus. I loved the scriptures. I was getting 
I was getting more eloquent. But when I had that encounter with the Holy Spirit, I can't explain it. Some people shake. Some people cry. Some people, you ever feel the, the tingles down your back, in your arms, the tingles, your hair starts standing up? Okay, maybe not this church. How many of you ever, you, you got emotional in the presence of God? Like, why am I crying right now? People will go, well, I cry. It was just a really, it was a touching service. No, it was the presence of God. Let me help you out. Why do I get so emotional? I start thinking about my family and I start crying. You're not emotional. It's the presence of God. It's because your physical, finite little body can't handle the omnipresence of the living, omniscient God. And when he shows up, you start going, oh my gosh, like, I'm, I'm shaking. Why am I shaking? It's weird. It's not weird. It's just your body can't handle how big he is. But we're not, we're not chasing manifestations. But I want you to know when he shows up, it's very common. I've had like what felt like electricity flowing through my body. I've had a moment at a camp when my hands started burning like on fire. Not, not painfully, but it was hot. And then simultaneously, I had a vision of me praying for a girl at the camp that had a broken ankle. And I saw my, in a vision, I was 19 years old, I saw myself going over to her, kneeling down, asking to pray for her, and putting my hands on her cast. And my hands were on fire. And so I did. I'm like, I can't. This is, I'm just tell the story. And so I go, all right, guys, this is stupid. And he's like, no, do it. I'm like, no, stupid. He's like, no, do it. Like, all right, stupid, but I'm going to do it. And I went over to this girl. She was a collegiate basketball player. And I said, hey, can I pray for you, Molly? She's like, yeah, yeah. So I got on my knees, 19 years old. Didn't know the Bible very well. Didn't know the lyrics to a lot of Chris Tomlin songs. Didn't know who Hillsong was. I was barely saved. And I laid my hands on her cast. And I just said, and I started praying for her. And she's like, ah, oh, it's like heat coming in my foot. Like, my hands are hot too. It's weird. It's a stupid. But she goes, man, I can feel like it's getting better. It's getting better. I can feel it. And she's getting all excited. It's the middle of like, we're singing songs at camp. And she's like so full of faith. She's like, God's healing me. I know it. God's, I can feel it. God's healing me. So she went out during the service, ripped the cast off her foot. I don't recommend this. But she did. She could cast off her foot. She came back in. She's like running around the whole. And it was a bad fracture. She was going to be out the whole basketball season. She's a collegiate athlete. God healed her ankle. She played that whole season. Come on, you're going to clap. You're going, I didn't. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to be what God wants you to be. And the Holy Spirit will give you the appetites of Jesus. But here's the deal. The third thing I want you to write down is how do you receive the Holy Spirit? You have to ask him. Luke, Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 13. I love this idea. It says, ask and you will. Seek and you will. Right, everyone knows this, right? Knock and the door will be opened. How many of you don't knock on a closed door? You knock on closed, or, or you don't knock on an open door. <laughs> You're screwing everything up today, dude. <laughs> you don't knock on an open door. You knock on closed doors. And then it's interesting that right after those three things, he says, if you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your Father in Heaven know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I want to suggest to you that maybe all of us have something in common, that we are born under a fleshly, carnal nature that is automatically, by nature, closed to the Holy Spirit. And that's why it says to ask, to seek, and to... You don't knock on open doors. Because all of us, I believe, when you're born, it takes a little bit of time to get open enough to say, Holy Spirit, if you are real. 
if there is more, and I'm not suggesting you to get crazy today, but I am asking you to get hungry for all that God died to give you. I don't want to go to the grave, to the graveyard, the cemetery, with potential that could have been unlocked if I would have opened myself up to more of the Holy Spirit. We will not be a weird church for the sake of being weird, but if it's in the Bible, we are going to teach it. Can I get an amen? And if it's in the Bible, if it was good for the apostles, it's good for me. And we're not going to be a church that just builds a great church on great intelligence and great systems and great structures that's void of the Spirit of God. Because what good is a big crowd of dysfunctional people? I would rather have a smaller church that's full of the power of God. That people's lives are being transformed. That their marriages are being restored. That their kids are coming back. Come on. That have this big crowd of people that are just as screwed up on the way out as they were on the way in. Do you have to change to go to your church? No. But when you encounter God, you will change. Period. I've never seen someone come into his presence and leave the same way. Never. God loves you where you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay there. You got to ask him though. I actually believe that you can see the size of your faith by the size of your ask. There's a K in there. This gets tricky real fast. Because some people have big ask. And smaller, we'll keep going. I actually believe that the size of your request reveals the size of your faith in God. And some of you have brought God down to your own experience. And you've brought God down. And this is, the, this is the problem with churches that try to get rid of the Holy Spirit and forbid speaking in tongues and forbid miracles and forbid the power of God. Is you know what they do is they try to lower their expectations of God internally to line up with their current experiences. I don't ever want to dumb God down to my level. I want to let the Holy Spirit bring me up to his level. Will every person you pray for get healed? No, that's not my job. My job is only to believe that God can heal every person I pray for. Obedience is my job. Outcomes is his job. Worth writing down. Obedience is my job. Outcomes is, my, is his job. I talked to one of my friends the other week. They said, well, well, do you really believe that God can heal everybody? I said, I think I have to. I don't have a choice. Who am I to go, no, I don't think your miracle's too much. Stand over there. Oh, you just need a headache? Come on up. Come on up. You have cancer? Now stay in the back. You're terminally ill. No, stay back there. We only do like media miracles. I don't think, listen, I, I don't think it's in the heart of God to select. We have faith for this and not that. Smith Wigglesworth, who's a pretty famous preacher, healer, is he actually said that you'll never pray the prayer of faith by looking at the obstacle. You never do. You don't look at the impossibilities of, well, how is this going to happen? You have to just go, God, I believe. So what does that do, though? What if someone doesn't get healed? Well, how about this? If you're a counselor, how about every person that sits down with a marriage problem? As a counselor, can I ask you a question? Do you believe that you can help every couple that has marriage problems? Of course. Then I'm telling you as a man of God and as pastor, that every person that walks through the doors of our church, I believe that God can fix them, God can heal them, God can empower them, God can encourage. Are you hearing me? Well, what if it doesn't happen? It's not my job. It's just my job to believe. I want, to, I want to pastor a church that our sins and our sickness go to die. I want to be a church that invites God in such a powerful way that when we had an appetite to do something bad on the next Friday, God changes my appetite in the service. I'm going to cancel my plans. I'm going to cancel the subscription to that magazine. 
I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to alter my desires. I'm going to change my schedule. I'm going to fix my priorities. Not because I can't, but because for some reason, the closer I get to the Holy Spirit, I start having these new cravings. I just want God. I just want more of God. I'm so screwed up without God. My propensity towards stupidity is so high without God. And I've realized that the older I get, the more I need the power of the Holy Spirit. You can come to our church and never receive the Holy Spirit and you'll be loved the same. But I want you to know that there's as much of God in this church as you can possibly handle. And the only thing that limits it is your appetite for Him. If you're hungry for one plate, you'll get one plate. But if you're like me on Thanksgiving, you're going to come on, come back for seconds and for thirds, for fourths. We're going to be a hungry church. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.